Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on Noah Hammond Tyrell. He is going to be talking about his brand and how he helped his dad cure his terminal liver cancer. It's called Feel Good Hemp and it focuses on educating people on the healing power of hemp oil and he sells his hemp CBD oil. So he tells us the difference between THC, CBD, what it's great for, the power of juicing. It's just an amazing story of how a son was able to help his father. And now he's making it his mission to spread the word of how powerful hemp is. So if you have interest in it, you've been wanting to try it, you've been scared to, don't be scared, Noah will walk us through all of it. So here is Noah. What was it like hearing the news of your dad's illness? Well, it was really challenging, of course. Uh, you know, no one wants to hear that about their family member that they're going to die in three months and that they have stage four or anything. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, my initial reaction was anger. I was really okay. pissed at him for not taking better care of himself, for not doing more for his holistic well-being. Um, but the anger was really just masking, you know, sadness and, and, and grief and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, raw reaction. When I walked into the hospital and I saw him laying on the bed there and he, he was all gray and he had lost 60 pounds in a month. And wow. he, yeah, he just looked terrible. He didn't look like my dad. And, and you know, he looked up at me all, all sort of fearful and almost apologetic. And he was like, it's cancer. Um, yeah, it was really hard. Wow. And so you basically had some training with a healer, right? Can you tell us more about that? Well, I had been doing like life coaching and mm-hmm. business coaching with a spiritual twist since 2008, and this was 2018 when he'd been diagnosed. So it mm-hmm. wasn't just one healer, but many. I I okay. studied many different healing modalities. I had done many different you know weekend trainings or workshops or immersions with different people of different skill sets. And so I had a lot to draw on. I'm sort of a, a gatherer, a collector, or a researcher type. You know, I'm not the person who mm-hmm. invented any of this stuff. I just, mm-hmm. I have a really open mind and an engineer's brain, and I just go into things all the way when I choose to go into them. So I've sort of been down this rabbit hole of spirituality, healing, and holistic health for 14 years now. Wow. What's your human design? I'm a generator. Ah, uh, I was going to say, I feel like you're a generator energy. Absolutely. Like a classic uh, generator. Classic, right? I'm just thinking, like, when I think that's the line. Like, oh, you know, I just, like, collect things. Like, a collector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of skills and, and, and various knowledges, and but I'm not all in on any one of them, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. the guy to go to for quantum touch or, or right. Reiki or, you know, but I'm sort of versed in all these different modalities, and I like to put together, like I did for my dad. I, you know, I went home and I said, okay, well, I'm not accepting this death sentence, so how are we going to approach this? And mm-hmm. I started thinking about the different ways we could approach it. Plus my dad, who, you know, he grew up in Queens, New York, and he's kind of oh, a, nice. yeah, yeah. And I saw you're from New York, so. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, he grew up in Queens, and he's kind of like he's a little stubborn, right? He's not he's not going right. to just be like, yeah, send me on to the to the acupuncturist and <laughs> let's do some cupping right. and reiki, like. But um, you know, he's a hippie, so I was like, ganja, cool. Um, and and I knew that uh, there was a protocol called the Rick Simpson protocol. Right, where uh, a, a Canadian guy named Rick Simpson repopularized it that uh, cannabis is a great treatment and, and dare I say cure for cancer. Um, you can't say that word, you can only say right. treatment. <laughs> yeah, um, but I know. so, so I went and, and went, opened that rabbit hole back up and, and, and looked at that and said, Yep, let's do that. And then uh, I knew that juicing was super valuable to the body just to give him the raw nutrients he needed to self heal to give him the building mm-hmm. blocks to build a new liver. And my wife had used juicing to heal herself from Epstein-Barr syndrome. Um, wow. And and I, I'd known that it was, you know, a healing practice as well if you use it the right way. And so those are the two ways that we focused on helping my dad. We went and we found a, uh, a hemp oil maker who could um, make him his oil pills because we had to, you know, in, in hemp – you want to use THC and CBD. Um, okay. THC, though, is obviously psychoactive, right? It gets you high. So you have to ramp mm-hmm. up the THC over time, whereas the CBD, you can start on a high dose right away. So we started okay. him on a high-dose CBD and a low-dose of THC that ramped up over time. And we started him on juicing about 40 ounces a day, primarily with beets and carrots because they're both really good for the liver, and he had liver cancer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and yeah, I could, t- I could. I don't want to ruin the story because I feel like you have more questions, but it went well. <laughs> it went well. So it went yeah, very well. Basically, within three months, his tumor was gone, right? With this protocol. Yep. How exactly. was it discovering it? Like, how did you feel? How did everyone well, feel? Well, you know, it was a crazy time. We had a lot of people praying for us and a lot uh-huh. of community support. And I actually, I moved my wife and I from LA down to San Diego uh, to be closer to him and to help more, which was not my wife's favorite idea, but it, she understood mm-hmm. and, and was on board, of course. And so we were just chopping beets, buying beets from the from the store by the case. Like I would have the grocer going mm-hmm. in the back and just pull out a cardboard box with wow. 50, you know, or whatever amounts of, of beets in it. And I'd walk out of there with $100 worth of beets and carrots. And, um, and, and so we were just all working so hard and um, helping. And it was about six weeks in, actually, that we got our first good news. They did MRIs and blood work again. And at first, my mom couldn't tell that it had shrunk at all, the tumor on his liver, which is like almost the size of a football, by the way. It was Whoa. like a mini football. Okay. It was a giant okay. tumor on his liver. And it was covering, I think, 65% of his tumor, or of his liver, I mean. Um, and so anyway, uh, when we got the report back, at first of all, I was like, oh, I don't know if it's working. And, but she just didn't know how to do the calculations right on the tumor size, like mm-hmm. the, the volume calculation. So then I did the calculation. Okay. I'm like, no, like this thing has shrunk by over 40% or 35% or something like that in the first six weeks. And so then we all started freaking out, right? And just <laughs> kept it going, kept it going. And yeah, within it was actually four months from the time that he was told he would be dead in three that he was completely cancer-free without a, a shred of tumor tissue left on his liver, not even dying oh tumor gosh. tissue, just completely clean, 
zero tumor markers in his blood work. Like, and it has been that way for four plus years now since. Oh my God. And, and so he's had over. MRIs and, and blood work every, first it was every three months. Now it's every six months because okay. they just, they haven't found a shred of it since. Amazing. Any other healing modalities that you did? Like, did you do energy work with him? I didn't, but I think my mom was. She knows acupressure and okay. is certified in multiple levels of that. And I think, you know, sleeping next to the guy and, and being with him more, she was doing more of that. Um, I was mainly focused on just, you know, getting the juice in him, getting the, the hemp oil to him. And, um, yeah, it was a family affair for sure. It always is, I feel like. To get that kind of response, to get that kind of outcome, it's not just one person. It's a community of people. Definitely. We cannot discount the power of prayer and how many people oh, are yeah. praying for him and holding him in a space of light and healing. You know, we, we had various communities of people doing that, and it definitely made a, an impact. I have no doubt. Love it. So what's, like, the biggest misconception about CBD oils? I think the biggest misconception about CBD oil is is that the the goal of it is to have some sort of an experience, like to feel okay. super relaxed or to uh, or to yeah, or that because it comes from the hemp plant, the goal is to have an experience, like you have when you smoke ganja or you know take THC mm-hmm. gummies or something like that. Um, I I like to reframe that for people and kind of give them a little bit of of what it's actually doing in your body. Because mm-hmm. people don't realize how innate and like I think of CBD like other people think of vitamin D3 or vitamin C. Okay. Right? Like you don't okay. take it once and right. you don't take it to have an experience. You take it because it's a supplement that gives your body the materials it needs for optimal wellness and to run correctly. Right? So there's actually a system of receptor sites in your body called the endocannabinoid system. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um but it's basically, familiar. so basically CBD, THC, you're probably hearing some of these other ones out there now, CBG, CBN, um, CBDA, um, these things are all cannabinoids, right? So a cannabinoid okay. is a compound that it's found in the hemp plant, but it's found in lots of other places in nature too, right? You can find CBD in orange peel. Um, you can find cannabinoids. This is literally so natural to our body that you can find cannabinoids passed from mother to baby in the breast milk. So we have this cannabinoid system throughout our whole body. It's in our brain. It's in all of our major organs. It's in our, it's, it's in our tissues, it's in our blood, it's in our bones. And basically when cannabinoids come into the system, these receptor sites in all of our body, they attach on, and it basically helps regulate the harmony or the harmonious functioning of that system. So when cannabinoids enter the brain, the receptor sites pick them up, and it helps to harmonize that system's functioning. And that's true all across the body, which is why you hear so many people talking about CBD uh, for so many different reasons, right? Some people take it for pain. Some people take it for anxiety Mm -hmm. or depression. Some people take it for Crohn's disease. Some people take it for blood sugar management in diabetes. Uh, some people take it for weight loss. Some people, there's this huge growing list of things that people are getting, benefits that people are getting from it. And the way I'd like to talk about it is 
the magic isn't necessarily the CBD. The magic is our own internal endocannabinoid system, and you're finally just giving it what it needs to run, right? It's like those sailors out at sea who don't get any vitamin C, and they get scurvy, right, or some some weird disease. I think it's scurvy, right? And Oh, you scurvy yeah. dog, right? It's because they're out in sea and they're eating the fish and they can't find vitamin C anywhere. And you do that long enough and you start to get a disease, right? Well, guess what? When you don't have cannabinoids in your body long enough, you start to get some sort of condition, some sort of response. Right. And it's an inflammatory response. And I kind of think about it as the weakest link goes first. So for some people, they get uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Some people get mm-hmm. early onset dementia. Some people get arthritis. Um, but all these different things I've seen with our clients uh, clear up from just resaturating the body with this essential compound. And it used to be in our environment a lot more before prohibition, right? So back in the day, there's fields of hemp everywhere. Uh, people are using hemp way more. Doctors are prescribing hemp way more. Uh, the cows are eating the hemp. You're having a steak. You're getting cannabinoids into your body that way. And, and it used to be just in our food supply and in our supply chain much more readily available. Um, but then prohibition happened and all the hemp fields got wiped out and uh, we sort of didn't realize what we were doing, I don't think. And so that's, I think, the biggest misconception about CBD. If you want to get high, I say, you know, you want to have a party, take THC, <laughs> take something psychoactive. That's, that's what they're there for. CBD, of course, the first couple times you take it, you might feel relaxed, you might you might really feel like, you know, kind of like body relaxation. Um, mm-hmm. But I take 30 milligrams a night every night. I've been doing so for a long time. I don't feel anything from it. I just, I feel it when I stop taking it. And when I stop taking it for a few weeks, all of a sudden my cannabinoid system starts to dry up a little bit more. And I start to notice, oh, I got a little sciatic pain. Or, oh, I'm not sleeping quite as mm-hmm. well. And then I go, oh, yeah, I should take my CBD. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love it. I use it like maybe every other day. So exactly, and that keeps you uh, cannabinoid saturated or hydrated, so to speak. Good, good to know. So I think you also really need to practice a lot of gratitude after this whole experience. So can you give us more tips on how to practice gratitude? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think gratitude, it's great to have it as a practice. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that it becomes a way of being. Right? I think okay. gratitude, it, being grateful is, is a reflection of being present in the moment. Right? Like I'm okay. up in the mountains in Utah right now. And Ooh. I just remember the other day I was taking my dog for a hike. And the sun was setting over these mountain lines that are covered in some fresh snow. And... You know, I'm up at around 6,000 feet elevation, and there's this great pink, purple, blue dance going on in the sky behind the mountain. And I looked up at it, and I didn't quite cry, but I almost had a tear there of just, like, awe and wonder and presence and gratitude. Like, if, if you get real – okay, let's think about this for a second for your listeners, of course. It's, mm-hmm. Right now, you and I are on – uh, technology we didn't build that right. has parts coming from all across the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And, okay, now there's probably some silicon chips in our phones, right? And so guess yeah. what? <laughs> any, any atom that's over, I think, like the 20th on the periodic table or the 30th, 
Um, it didn't just get formed in a star, right? Every atom of everything beyond hydrogen got formed in a nuclear reaction in a star, right? So we're stardust mm -hmm. and everything is stardust and everything's been in a star. Well, guess what? Anything that's over, I think, 40 atomic weight or 42, it didn't just get formed in a regular nuclear reaction in a star. It had to be formed in like a supernova explosion in a star, right? So every element of silicon that's in our chips right now was at one point part of a supernova massive explosion and it was mandatory for it to be so, just so that it could make silicon, just so that silicon could be in our phone, just so you and I could be having this conversation right now. You and I didn't mm -hmm. source any of these materials, but if you actually no. think about where all the materials from all over the world came just to be in our phones, if you think about the desk or the chair that you're sitting at and where those materials came from and how they grew by the power of, of the divine intelligence, they made the materials mm -hmm. And then someone with craftsmanship and intelligence and a will to do it forged them into a material and shipped them to you. And, and I'm sitting in a house right now which has an equal amount of energy put into the walls and the ceiling and the roof. And all, if you, what I'm trying to say is that if you actually get present in the moment of what's going on, it's always a freaking miracle yeah. all the time, 100% of the time. So how, if you're present to the miracle that you're living in, Gratitude is present, period. If you're present to the gift that life is because you're present to the miracle of this moment, gratitude is there, right? So I think a simple gratitude practice could literally just be breathing in gratitude and exhaling out thank you, right? And gratitude and thank you yeah. are very close. You know, breathing in thank you, exhaling out thank you, doing that consciously, once an hour, one breath, one conscious breath of appreciation of the moment and gratitude for it, appreciation of the opportunity to expand our consciousness and live this life and, and literally be in uh, some would disagree with, but this is heaven. We're, we're in heaven. We're having the opportunity to have a divine experience. And when you actually get down to the details, how could this not be heaven, right? A star had to explode to make my freaking phone. This is right. heaven, right? Heavens have bowed to us to give us this opportunity. They have, they have, you know, conspired for us to have this moment. And I think it's just about gathering some of that presence, getting a little less, a little more out of our head and a little more into the, into the reality of the moment. And the reality of the moment just is, a, is a, its own self, a rabbit hole that can take you deeper and deeper into your own self and spiritual realization and happiness and gratitude, and uh, so it's, it's worthy to uh, put a practice in place that can contact the moment, right? And so I think breath yeah. is the simplest thing. Breath controls the mind. Breath controls the body. Um, it, it, it gives us uh, – it's the greatest tool in the Bhagavad Gita, pranayama, breath, is the greatest tool against the enemy, the ego, the delusion, right? And so – the delusion of separation and the delusion of, of separateness and the delusion of our little problems and our little woes and our little fears and our little concerns, not to dismay them or dismiss them. They're real, but they're only real on one level of, of perception. And I think probably we can all agree that if we could live at a level of perception where there is no problems, there's only love. I think most of us would choose that. <laughs> so we have to work towards it one breath at a time. Well said. So do you think like hope comes in also with gratitude, like ha like having a lot of hope as well? 
I think you need hope. Uh, yeah. If you don't have hope, you have nothing. It, exactly. The way I can illustrate that the most, I forget which author it was, but it was one of the authors that um, put out a book on the Holocaust and the experiences in the Holocaust. And, and basically what they said was that in these concentration camps where everyone was so starved, so malnourished, so depleted, so just the most horrible conditions possible, what the people in the concentration camp said is that from the moment someone gave up hope that the war would end, mm-hmm. that they would get out of these camps, they would be dead within 72 hours every time. It was, it, everyone knew it, too. As soon as they saw someone give up hope or say something that let them know that they had given up hope, everyone knew, like, okay, like, you're leaving now. Like, right. And, and that's how it was. But the people who had hope, they lived. Or, or mm-hmm. at least they had a better shot of it. <laughs> exactly. And, and so I think that says it all right there. It's like if you don't have hope, you have nothing. So you better go and find some, right? You, and, and, and to make it practical, uh, cling on to whatever morsel or strand you can. And, and whether it's true or not, right? Like my dad could have been super-duper hopeful and died anyway. Or he could have right. been not hopeful at all and, and potentially lived, right? Cause he, he wasn't in a concentration camp. He was getting fed nutrients. He was getting supported by his community. It, it, it didn't. And that's one thing that I think is cool about my dad telling you actually is it wasn't, it, although it was supernatural, it wasn't one of those examples of my dad just law of attraction himself into perfect health by meditating on perfect health all day, every day, and not letting a single thought of non-perfect health come into his mind and because of his perfection of using his brain and the law of attraction. It wasn't that at all. He was just chilling out. He was stoned to shit some of the time. This is part of my French. But he was really stoned sometimes taking the amount of THC he was taking to go and kill the cancer. So the best he could do a lot of the time was just go lay in his bed and listen to some music, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but even doing that is much better than obsessing about our problems and how down and out we are, right? So, if you can't find hope, at least find distraction and work your way towards hope. You know, another way to do it would be read some stories of people who are in a worse place than you, right? Oh, Hopefully, yeah. this podcast is, is giving some people hope, right? They're dealing with arthritis and they don't see a hope or a way out. They've been in pain, and I understand that. And it's like, well, at least it's not stage four liver cancer with three months to live, right? Like, there's always a worse that you can reference, right? At least you're not in a concentration camp in the Holocaust, right? Like, at least you're not in a witch hunt in Salem, Massachusetts, you know, as a woman who (laughs) who likes to do, right? You know, some perspective can go a long way um, because I think that most of us have it pretty cozy, Right. And also perspective. Right. So a lot of people, I think, especially in today's world, we are way too obsessed with things we have no control over. And it makes us feel powerless. Turn off the news. Stop discussing politics with people you barely know on Facebook. If you Mm -hmm. are not in a good place yourself. Like four years ago, I'll tell you a quick story. Four years ago, actually, this was right before my dad's cancer diagnosis. Okay, mm-hmm. so right before my dad's cancer diagnosis, I had made a decision in my business that blew it up, right? We made a pivot. We made a change. I was doing marketing for all these thought leaders and coaches and consultants and kind of spiritual guru types, uh, people who have books and, and workshops and programs. And I was doing such a good job of it 
but it was a lot of it was a lot of work. I had a team of ten people, and I said, you know what, we're we're helping all these people make millions of dollars. Why don't we put out a program that's going to help the average coach consultant type just earn about ten k a month minimum starting, right? And the program flopped. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. It wasn't meant to be. So no matter what, despite our greatest efforts and our intelligence and how smart we are, it flopped because it wasn't in it wasn't in the cards, and my business was in shambles. My you know, I had no money in the bank and I had rent coming up and life was just screwed up, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm a I would call myself a yogi. I've been practicing Kundalini Kriya Yoga. Like if you've ever heard of Paramahansa Yogananda, autobiography of a yogi, um I've been doing that type of yoga uh for ten plus years now, uh every single mm-hmm. day. And so I went to the SRF, the Self Realization Fellowship, Lake Shrine in in Santa Monica. Beautiful place. If you're ever out there, check it out. Um, and and I went and I, I I this is a very vulnerable story, but whatever, who cares? So I went <laughs> to this room where there, it's a huge hall, right? Where there's pictures of all the masters of that lineage up at the front, and it's a 400 feet room, probably maybe 600. And I went there, and there was just no one there. Which is it, there's never no one there, but I went there, and there was no one there. I went to the front to the masters. And I just bowed humbly, and it just tears just came out of me. And I'm just audibly wailing, like, it's so hard, life's so hard, why is this not working, why is is it such a struggle, why is everything collapsing, like, just all the the angst coming out in a second. And it was like a, a blessing from the masters. It was grace, because after maybe 30 or 45 seconds or a minute of that, I felt compelled to just be like, okay, let's let's go meditate now. Right, so I stood mm-hmm. up, and literally the moment I stood up and went to go sit down, other people came in the room. So it was like I had this, I had this perfect moment of 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 solitude to have this experience, and it was like totally grace, right? So, but during that meditation, uh, the 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 big wisdom I got after a two hour sit was it was really it was a download from the masters. They were like, get off all social media mm-hmm. completely right now. And the craziest part about it was I had spent probably a hundred thousand plus dollars of my own money learning and mastering Facebook ads and doing right. all this marketing on social media. And I was like, huh. really? Like my, the way I'm going to like fix this is get off all these platforms. Like, Oh my God, it doesn't make sense, but okay, I'll listen. I know. And that was four years ago. And the reason I brought it up is because it was super necessary for my healing, you know, when, when, and, and for my next level of iteration of myself and, you know, I'm to be a thought leader and, and to have things to say to other people, sometimes you have to shut up for a second. And so I spent the last four plus years after having put out videos on YouTube since 2008, um, I spent from 2016, 2017, to um, to basically now, like completely silent and just having my own transformation and, and keeping my focus of control close to home, right? And I think that's what a lot of people need. I think a lot of people are literally being made sick by uh, looking at things they don't have control over and feeling powerless. When you watch the news and mm. you watch what's going on in Ukraine, if you yeah. don't personally have any way to impact that, then all you are doing is giving away your power, right? And right. that's true for Ooh. anything you look at that you 
are, if you're paying attention to it, but you have no power to impact it, it makes, it has the opportunity or potential to make you feel powerless. Right. And, you know, to, to kind of just heighten that, that point, you know, my wife, when she was a, a, a bad teenager growing up in LA, who was getting into drugs and things way too early, she got sent away to wilderness experience, which is actually out here in Utah, where she was for 10 weeks, she was basically camping under a tarp in the woods with, with, with like psychologists slash wilderness experts. And it was all girls and they were eating humbly and they were living on the land. And it was like, you had to start your own fire. And if you didn't start your own fire, then you were cold. And uh, there, there was just basically, it was just coming back home to nature. I'll say it another way. Like back in the day, you used to walk down the river and take the bucket of water and bring it back to the to the tribe. And if mm-hmm. the, if you didn't do that, the tribe didn't have water, and it really meant something. Then you needed to gather firewood because the tribe needs fire. And if you didn't gather the firewood, it really meant something. And so in this world where we can pop on Uber Eats, jump on Facebook, you know, jump on Tinder and have a hook up at our door all this instant gratification and nothing meaning anything to anyone, we are in a crisis of meaning as a population, right? It's too easy to eat. It's too easy to be warm. It's too easy to have shelter from the rain, right? So then people take to Facebook to argue about social justice or politics or whatever the hell to try to find meaning in their world. Um, At least some people do, right? And so I guess I'm just encouraging people to, Find meaning in, in serving yourself, in, in serving your spiritual awakening, in serving your holistic healing, and then find meaning in serving the well-being and, and the love that the people around you feel, and then find meaning in serving your larger community. It's like, and then if you happen to have a moment, pop on Facebook to talk with the trolls of the internet about whatever the hell, <laughs> right? <laughs> but only if you're so filled up that it could not possibly bother you. Versus it being your life and, and where you derive your meaning. It's not going to make anyone feel happy. And it's scientifically proven that these platforms and the way we're living our lives are making us depressed and anxious at, at record levels. So is that, are those in like your seven levels of change? Is that what you're talking um, about? No, uh, but, but it's, it's a fine segue into it for sure. Like, because the seven levels of change is all about a a strategy for change. Okay. So I could kind of describe it real quick. I know that it's easier to kind of look at it with a, with a, a graphic, but I'll just describe it real quick. The seven levels of change is all about addressing all seven levels that are necessary for change to happen. So one of the levels, the third level, is your actions, your habits, your systems, um, doing what it takes, right? And, and this is the level that everyone is so familiar with, right? So I'll give a, a really easy example, right? Uh, if someone wants to lose weight, what do they typically do? They say, okay, well, I'm going to eat this way. I'm not going to eat those things. I'm going to go to the gym this often. I'm going to work out for this long. I'm going to go for walks this often. I'm going to drink this much water. I'm going to sleep this way. I'm going to do this. Do, 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 do. And then what happens at the end of January? The gyms empty out. 92 to 98% of people don't meet their goals. Why is that? Well, it's because of these other six levels, right? So 
first level, environment, community, right? It's about optimizing your environment to support your goals. So if I want to lose weight and I live in a house where everyone orders McDonald's in every night versus I want to lose weight, I live in a house where I strip all the cabinets and the cupboards of anything unhealthy and there's only whole natural foods in my fridge, period, right? Which one is going to give me a better chance at success? Obviously the second, right? So environment is super important. And then the second level up is energy and vitality. Like you get, if you're going to want to make change, well, there's going to be resistance to that change because it's every force has an equal and opposite force in this world of duality. So as soon as you claim some new potential for yourself, guess who's lurking in the shadows? Resistance, uh, ego, whatever you might want to call it, like the false self, the, the negative mm-hmm. force that wants to drag you back down. Right? And so you're going to need some energy and you're going to need some vitality and you're going to need it in high supply. <clears throat> this is where just looking at what takes my energy is very useful. This is where CBD is very useful, I say, because when you're spending all this energy fighting inflammation in your body, if you, if you take CBD and that helps you to uh, take the inflammation out, then you have energy to do other things, right? And, and it liberates energy. And there's a lot of different ways to liberate energy, but it's worth, it's worth the conversation. Right? What am I going to need to do to free up the energy? Right? Do I need to stop engaging in this toxic social media crap? Do I need to go on yeah. a 30-day fast? <laughs> right? What's going to free up my energy to go focus it on what I actually want to have happen in my life? Third layer up is actions, habits, systems that we all know so well. Fourth layer up is your skills and your strategy. It's about mastering the approach. Right? So the guy who wants to lose weight, well, what, what if he's never worked out before? Then he goes to the gym. Well, does he have the skills to work out? Does he have the right strategy for his body type or her body type and the actual result that they want, whether they want to bulk or they want to trim or whatever, do they have the right strategy, they have the right skills? And obviously, when you have the right skills and the right strategy, you have a much higher chance of succeeding versus if you're going in there without those things. And, and people sort of confuse that for your, your actions. Like, oh, I'm going to go learn how to work out. But it's like if you actually – put the thought into it at first. It's like Abraham Lincoln's quote. He's like, if I had four hours to chop down a cherry tree, I'd spend the first three sharpening my axe. Right? So that's skills and strategy. Uh-huh. That's making sure I have the right approach, right, and the right tools. So then up from there, this is the one that I've never seen anyone else put in a framework like this, and this is the one that eluded me in my own personal development journey for probably 10 to 13 years before I found this layer. But this is incredibly important. It's your nervous system. And the way I talk about nervous system is freedom from the past. Because we have intelligence in our body. There's a famous book on this topic called The Body Keeps Score. And literally, it does. The body has a memory. Every cell has intelligence. You have multiple brains in our body, not just in our heads, but we have a brain in our heart, and we have a brain in our stomach. There's neural networks there, and that's why people say things like, I know in my heart that blah, 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 or I can just, I feel in my gut that yada, yada. It's because there's actually neural networks there, and, and so we have multiple brains in our body, and every cell in our body has intelligence, and these, body, these, these intelligences keep score in order to keep us safe, and so that's why, you know, you have a car accident in an intersection, and even maybe years later, when you drive through an intersection, every once in a while, it just, the image of it just flashes through your mind. And you remember that car accident, and, you're, and you almost feel it in your body, right? Um, there's a lot of ways to, to give an example of this, but 
for me, it was that I grew up uh, playing contact sports and being a tough guy. And I actually grew up in, in New Jersey. And, um, you know, being a tough guy, he's got to prove that he's tough and show everyone he's tough. And, yeah, right, bro, I'm not a, I'm not a, a sissy. I'll do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I had all this fight energy in my body. And at one point I remember, real, like, thinking, why is – why does my life feel like such a fight all the time? Why is my business a fight? Why is, it, why is it always a constant effort? Like I have to be a warrior 24-7. And it's because I had all this fight energy in my body. I played rugby in college, football throughout up to high school, and, and did all these martial arts and all these things, right? So when I use things like tapping, EFT work, which is one of the best ways to take trauma out of the body, uh, and you, when you take these sort of impressions out of your nervous system, you, you get freedom from your past, and you have a new day dawn. It's, it's, it's the hidden reason why a lot of people have repeating patterns. So going back mm. to our example, the, the guy who wants to work out, finally get in shape, right? Maybe he's been a fat kid all his life. Maybe he's been made fun of. And maybe even despite his intention, despite his willpower and his, and his, and his intention, he goes to the gym, and he notices some, some fit guys are looking at him. They're lifting way more weights than him. Right, and and he notices a look. They don't give a shit about this guy, right? They're they're not they're not actually thinking about him. But in his mind, the way it processes is he's back on the playground, he's back in fifth grade, he's back being called the fat kid again, and he's that much less likely to go back to the gym the next day, because every day he has to fight this thing in his nervous system that makes it even harder, even harder, even feel crappier, feel crappier, right? So when you take these things out of your nervous system you have an op- a greater opportunity of success for sure and, and a greater chance to succeed and, and, and enjoy the ride. Um, next level up from there, right, is your identity, your values, and your beliefs. It's who you mm-hmm. think you are and, and who you know yourself to be. And the reason why this is so important is because your belief, the way I always like to talk about it is your belief precedes response. Belief drives response. I'll give you a very clear example. If we were in the forest, and I saw a brown mm-hmm. bear charging at me, my entire body would respond. I would have blood rush to my fingers and my toes, adrenaline, cortisol, all these hormones released, everything for me to be ready to fight a, a life-threatening threat, right? Now, okay. if, I, if I simply believe that's not a brown bear, that's my buddy in a brown bear suit, and he's messing with me. Regardless if it's true or not, if I believe that, I'm not going to have any of that stuff happen in my body. The blood's not going to go anywhere. There's no cortisol. There's none of that stuff. It could actually be a bear, and when he gets to me, he eats me. But if I believe it's not, then my body responds accordingly. So belief precedes response. And a lot of Mm -hmm. people don't know what they believe because a lot of our beliefs are formed and baked in our subconscious mind at very early times in our life. And so when you're not getting results, uh, and this is identity, values, and beliefs. What about identity? Well, the person who identifies as fit, right, the second that they get two pounds overweight, they're correcting it. Whereas if you're the guy who identifies as, as eh, I've kind of been a chubby kid, I've been the chubby kid all my life, yeah, I'm kind of the chubby kid. Well, I am the chubby kid. Well, if you actually believe that, you're not going to stay focused. You're not going to have the grit. Right. You're not going to keep going when times are hard and when you want to quit. Because you're like, yeah, well, I am the chubby kid, so I guess I'll, I'll just stay being that because that's already what I believe myself to be, right? And then the highest layer is your intuition and your purpose and living intentionally. Mm-hmm. 
it's your connection to your source point within you. It's your connection to your higher wisdom, your deeper knowing, your omnipresent consciousness, your creative life force, whatever you want to call it. It's your connection to your I am source. And the reason this is the top layer and the reason this is part of the seven layers is because sometimes, based on society programming, based on lots of things, sometimes you want things that aren't really for you. And the way to cut through that noise is with your intuition. I'll give you a really clear example. Back in the day, I had a vision board on my wall. And on this vision board, there was a, a GT500 Mustang, and there was like pictures of girls who basically looked like porn stars, like they had big fake boobs, and they're acting all like, like, look at me, I'm sexy and barely clothed. And it was like my vision board, like, yeah, that's what I want. Flash forward a year and a half, two years later of me learning more about myself, really uncovering who I really am and what I really want, doing more healing work, doing more self-growth. I have a new vision board on the wall. And the girls on this vision board are wearing uh, yellow sundresses, in, you know, white sundresses in a field of yellow daisies and twirling around with playful glee. And they're like much more feminine and much more natural and much more happy looking. Mm-hmm. And so what changed? Did, did I just, did someone tell me, no, bro, you don't want the porn star girl. You want the chick in the field of flowers? No, it's, it was just true for me. And I was actually finally accessing that layer of my truth. And it was true all along. I, I, you know, of course, I went out and did my young bachelor thing and hooked up with girls and yada, yada. But, you know, I never seriously dated a girl who looked like a porn star, whereas I'm married to the girl who dances in the field of flowers. So one was true for me and one wasn't. And if I had greater connection to my true self or my intuition or whatever you want to call it earlier on, the original vision board would have had what was true for me on it. Right. And so the reason this is so important is because, okay, maybe I'm going for a rich six pack of abs. Is that true for me? What if I just had a flat tummy instead? Like what's really true for me? What, what versus what societally programmed, societally informed, what am I actually just going for because I want people to respond a certain way versus what does the muse want from me? What does the inspirational mm. creative force of existence want from me? What does the divine plan want from me? That's yeah. what's going to come to you and not the other stuff. So if you can cut through the noise with a little bit of intentional practice of connecting to your intuition and your purpose, bringing its wisdom in alignment with all these other layers, that's the seven levels of change. And, um, I, I basically created it after all these years of coaching people and doing all the self-work and just seeing these mm-hmm. are the layers, you know, these, this is, they're all true. They all exist and they, they all make a difference in whether or not you get what you want and what you're going mm-hmm. for in life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of stuff to like think over. Wow. Okay. Yeah, of course. No problem. Uh this was amazing. Thank you, No. Can you tell everybody where to find your hand, where they could reach you to learn more in case they want to? Absolutely. So feelgoodhemp.org is where you find all of our products. And we also have a link there to our free platform, uh, which is feelgoodlibrary.com. You can find it on either site. But Feel Good Library is where we offer actually training on all seven levels of change, We give people free courses and free training and free techniques and all kinds of great stuff, guided meditations, and just a whole, it's a whole resource that my wife, who's a sound healer and Kundalini yoga teacher and myself have built. 
Um, and it's out there for free because after this experience, I just felt like I needed to give back and just help the human condition. You know what I mean? So um, mm-hmm. it's all out there for free. You can learn all about the seven levels and, and actually have practices to approach the seven levels there. And of course the products are there and, um, you know, I also put out YouTube videos so you can follow us on social media and all the links and stuff like that are on my site. Awesome. Thanks, Noah. Good luck with everything. Thanks for sharing your story. Take care. You got it. Nice to talk to you, Davina. Thanks so much. Likewise. Bye. Bye. Have you guys heard of Rakuten? It's where you can shop all your favorite stores online and make money. Yeah, you can make money. I have made thousands of dollars. Granted, I've been on it for a while, but if you're someone who's an online shopper, you need to sign up right now. And you can use my invite link. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com slash R slash Divina 141. dot com slash R slash Divina 141. Happy shopping and make some money. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, I'd really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.